0: All right. Welcome back to the Crimson Flag podcast, where we bring you a class conscious analysis of historic and current events which are pertinent to the international working class movement. So today we're going to be talking about Cuba. As a lot of you are probably aware, um, on July 11th, on Sunday, there was a protest that sparked up in Cuba. And it was very quickly that the United States media shaped the narrative and was describing these as Pro democracy protests and giving them legitimacy. And yesterday on Monday, we also saw where Biden was finally making statements on this and um, characterizing it as such as well. So a lot of us who are involved with communist, socialist, or anti-imperialist Twitter, especially, have noticed that there have been a lot of us speculating on what exactly is going on here. We know that there is a long history of the United States spreading these kind of Color revolutions and counter revolutionary movements throughout the socialist and anti imperialist countries. Um, so, of course, with this historical precedent and a motive, we automatically as- assume that there must be um, some type of involvement here. So, today, what I want to do is um, talk about some of the history, um, some of the recent history in the last decade, as far as the ways in which the United States has tried to foment unrest in Cuba. Um, hopefully this will give us some clarity as far as, um, the way to approach what is going on now and give us some ways to, um, sort things out. So just earlier today, I saw that an article came out where the Cuban embassy in Beijing is even claiming that the SOS Cuba hashtag has traces back to Miami and possibly even the United States government. Um, they have claimed that this evidence will be presented. So once that comes about, we will definitely address it. What we're going to do today is we're going to read through a couple of articles. I'm going to read some of the highlights to you, and hopefully this will give a clear picture of um, the strategies that the United States government has been using through social media in particular to try and um, foment unrest in Cuba. Um, I will also add that um, a lot of you may have seen that there are definitely some bots on Twitter, and there's a lot of them. They seem to be um, literally saying the same exact messages with the hashtag Cuba um, SFS Cuba. And these are accounts that were made in the last couple of days or only started posting in the last couple of days. Um, so there is um, some evidence showing that there is some type of um, online um, trolling mission to help foment this as well. So yeah, let's look at some articles here and see how the United States government has been doing this in the past. All right, so we're going to start here with this article from the AP, and this is from April 3rd of 2014, and this article is called, U.S. Secretly Built, quote-unquote, Cuban Twitter to Stir Unrest. Yeah, so what we're going to do here is I'm going to read through this, and we're going to respond a little bit. So starting with the article here, it says, the U.S. government masterminded the creation of a Cuban Twitter, a communications network designed to undermine the communist government in Cuba. Built with secret shell companies and financed through foreign banks, the Associated Press has learned. Okay, a little further down it says Yet its users were neither aware it was created by a US agency with ties to the State Department, nor that American contractors were gathering personal data about them in hope that the information might be used someday for political purposes. Okay, then the article goes on to talk about the um, how the government was questioning the legality of this. And there was a report done that was looking into it at the time. Um, the article goes on and says, the report does not refer to the project dubbed Zunzaneo, but does note that the USAID programs included, quote, support for the development of independent social networking platforms, unquote. Okay, so further down, it says Zunzaneo was publicly launched shortly after the 2009 arrest in Cuba of an American contractor, Alan Gross. He was imprisoned after traveling repeatedly to the country on a separate clandestine USAID mission to expand Internet access using sensitive technology that only governments use. The article goes on to say, The social media project began development in 2009 after Washington-based Creative Associates International obtained a half a million Cuban cell phone numbers. It was unclear to the AP how the numbers were obtained, although documents indicate they were done so illicitly from a key source inside the country's state-run provider. Project organizers used those numbers to start a subscriber base. And right here it says, eventually documents and interviews reveal they hope the network would reach critical mass so that dissidents could organize, quote unquote, smart mobs, mass gatherings called at a moment's notice that could trigger political demonstrations or renegotiate the balance of power between the state and society. And right here it says, Zuzaneo's leaders plan to push Cuba, quote, out of a stalemate through tactical and temporary initiatives, and get the transition process going again towards democratic change, unquote. So yeah, that right there exactly sounds like they are trying to foment a counterrevolution in Cuba through this uh, Cuban Twitter, as they're calling it. Okay, so here we go on to Hillary Clinton's involvement. Um, it says, at a 2011 speech at George Washington University Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton said the U.S. helps people in, quote, oppressive Internet environments get around filters, unquote. Noting Tunisia's role in the Arab Spring, she said that people use technology to help, quote, fuel a movement that led to revolutionary change, unquote. Susan Hall, then a State Department official working on Clinton's social media efforts, helped spearhead an attempt to get Twitter founder Jack Dorsey to take over the and Neo project. So this is the last piece of this article that I'll read right here. It says, and Neo's organizers worked hard to create a network that looked like a legitimate business, including the creation of a companion website and marketing campaign so users could subscribe and send their own text messages to groups of their choice. So this was the first attempt, and it was busted wide open by the AP, as I described. And to add a little bit more information, Zunzaneo is apparently a Cuban slang word for hummingbird. So it was directly appealing to being similar to Twitter. But ultimately, this was a failed project. Um, Once it was discovered by the AP, it was largely criticized in the government. And at the time, Obama was attempting what it appeared to look like to mend relations with Cuba. Um, I know there was some like real relaxations on travel and um, some other things in this regard. And, you know, this was a break from, you know, I mean, we still had the blockade, the 60 year long blockade on them at the time, but there was this easing of tensions. But at the same time, we have the USAID working to create this Twitter like Network for Cubans to use, and they hope that they can use it to uh, foment unrest. So with the end of Zunzaneo, the story actually doesn't end there. So they go on to another project. And so let's go to the next article here. All right. So this article is from the Huffington Post, and it is called U.S. Funding Another Social Network to Try to Overthrow Castro. And this is from July 18th of 2014. So the article begins by saying, The U.S. Office of Cuban Broadcasting, OCB, sponsors a cell phone service called Pyramidio, roughly translated as pyramid, which spreads propaganda through text messages, according to Nestor Garcia, a former diplomat who now teaches at the Institute for International Relations in Havana. My students started getting text messages on their cell phones with news reports about demonstrations that never happened, Garcia said. He then goes on to say, the U.S. is trying to create a climate to protest against the Cuban government. Piramidio, which has received little media coverage, is just one skirmish in an Internet war between the American and Cuban governments, included Zunzaneo, a Twitter-like program secretly backed by USAID from 2010 to 2012. In this article right here, they go on to say that um, Alan Gross that we mentioned earlier, that contractor, What he was doing in 2009 was he was distributing cell phones that had satellite capabilities in them so they could give Internet access to more people in Cuba so they could have a way to get this um, project going. You know, this is setting the base for that. Right here, it says the OCB, the Office of Cuban Broadcasting, publicly announced the existence of Pyramidio in June 2013, and it continues to operate today. So I'll describe what Pyramidio is here real quick. It's basically a service that you can text, and this is a way for you to get a group of people that you can send a text message to all at once. And of course, this is going through a service that the Cuban government is not able to access. Um, so they they market it as basically a way to get people together for birthday parties or whatever you know things like this. But it wasn't too long later that these people started receiving anti-government text messages um, from Pyramidio. So, yeah, we'll go on with the article here. And here's their defense. Uh, Carlos Garcia Perez, director of the OCB, denied that Pyramidio aims to stir up dissent in Cuba. We encourage people in Cuba to connect, he said in a phone interview from Miami. What they can... What they communicate in Pyramidio is entirely their business. However, the OCB also oversees Radio Marti, TV Marti, and other programs that do encourage Cuban dissidents. The OCB's Garcia Perez said he considers Pyramidio a success because it has signed up 12,000 Cubans to date. He said that OCB doesn't track how the mostly young Cubans actively use the service. Cuban exile groups also distribute free smartphones on the island in hopes of encouraging an anti-government uprising. Radio Marti also distributes free phones as part of station giveaways. Nestor Garcia's students received free phones with a year's service from friends of friends. The phones were pre-programmed with Pyramidio. They immediately started receiving anti-government text messages, which they claimed they deleted. And this is the teacher that we mentioned earlier. He says, I'm not surprised that users ignore the messages, he said, adding that young Cubans are depoliticized. That aversion to political messages was confirmed by an internal evaluation of the U.S. Zunzaneo program. A contractor hired by the USAID sent out satirical anti-Castro tweets in a test phase, but got, negative, but got a negative reaction, according to the Associated Press investigation. The contractor analyzed messages that responded to the satire. Only 3% were quote unquote anti-revolutionary, according to the AP. Most users were suspicious of the anonymous nature of the tweets. That right there shows us that after the Zunzaneo Twitter fail, they basically went on to try and create another text service where Cubans could um, hopefully spread this unrest. And as I mentioned, they're spreading anti-Castro satire waiting to see how people respond. And it is interesting to note their struggle. In the beginning, they have their guy, Alan Gross, who's setting up these satellite cell phones in the area. He's arrested. Um, they don't have much luck with setting up this Twitter. And then they can't even get people in Cuba to really respond in a what they called anti-revolutionary manner. So yeah, with that, let's check out a third article to see where things have gone after that um, That 2014 reporting, which where reporters seem to really be on the case of what's going on with these uh, social media companies that are popping up in Cuba with U.S. government involvement and such. So yeah, let's go on to the next article here. Okay, and this is from March 30th of 2018. It's from the Miami Herald. It is called Radio and TV Marty Sneaked in... Same forbidden technology that landed Alan Gross in Cuban jail, and of course Alan Gross is the person that we mentioned who was arrested in 2009 for distributing those cell phones. And TV Marti is um, the, one of these U.S. owned companies, one of these U.S. owned news outlets that highlights the the voices of Cuban dis- dissidents and you know distributes their messages. So the article begins here with saying. With the Cuban government's persistent jamming of their broadcasts, radio and TV Marti have used alternative means to deliver content to the island, including sneaking in the same technology that put Alan Gross in prison. And of course, we know that that technology was those cell phones. The article then says, Gross, a subcontractor with the U.S. Agency of International Development, USAID, spent five years in jail in Havana for giving Cubans forbidden technology for accessing the internet. It's now clear that the US government's Office of Cuba Broadcasting, OCB, which runs the MARNI operations, did the same for years. The OCB slipped into the island small satellite sets known as BGAN, Broadband Global Area Network, as part of its effort to provide as part of its effort to provide Cubans with access to the internet that was not monitored by the Cuban government and deliver MARTI programs to the island. The BGAN program began during fiscal year 2013, which started October 1st, 2012, and ended in fiscal year 2015. The BGAN program, quote, consisted of small two-way satellite devices that were distributed within Cuba by OCB, Carew wrote in an email to El Nuevo Herald. Users of these devices could access the internet via commercial satellites, which allowed circumvention of censorship of the internet by Cuban government. Users could also share this access with other nearby people over Wi-Fi, he added. We used to do it, we no longer do it because it was not cost effective, said Andre Mendez, who is interim OCB director until his resignation Wednesday. He said that the BGANs had been used by some to access pornography, which is illegal in Cuba. We are not in the business of giving access to porn, he said. So yeah, again, more frustration here that they're that by giving access to the internet to Cuban people, they are expecting to see these anti-government protests and instead, um, they're just doing you know, casual activities and such. Mendez, who also served as the broadcasting board of Governors, Chief technology and information officer until Friday, Joined then OCB Director Carlos Garcia on a trip to the U.S. Navy base in Guantanamo in 2012 to test the BGAN equipment. Okay, and right here we see that Malu Gonzalez succeeded the previous head of OCB in 2015. And let's see, it says that she went on to increase the number of collaborators on the island. Um, she also had an effort to reduce the amount of United States equipment that was being used to support these efforts. Okay, and right here it says she also eliminated Pyramidio, which had been too costly and was being used on the island for marketing and even illegal activities. Here she says the arrival of other platforms such as IMO and Zapaya were more cost-effective and useful for the dissemination of information, which is the mission of the OCB. Um, And that word mission is something that they've used several times. So they say they're an honest news outlet when they're doing these, uh, when they're doing this stuff and they but they're also saying they're on a mission to disseminate anti-government information and such. But yeah, from this little paragraph right here, we see that in 2015, although Pyramidia was eventually ended, they take up what they say is IMO and Zapaya. And I will have to do more research into these uh, to see if they're still in operation right now, or if they've moved on to other platforms. So, yeah, with this article here, we see that that equipment that was being used by Alan Gross in 2009 was, of course, being continued throughout the decade of the 2010s. Now, for many, this is going to be highly suspect because what we saw on Sunday, it was basically what these different social media platforms were trying to create. And so this is the last article that I want to look at here. It shows the way in which the Office of Cuban Broadcasting has been Um, hurting for funds since the end of last year actually and it may give us some insight into what's going on right now Um, so let's take a look at this all right so this is from politico and it came out in july 9th of 2020 the article is titled cuba broadcaster confronts budget calamity amid fight with lawmakers and the article begins by saying the u.s government's cuba broadcasting office is quickly running out of money and could be forced to furlough some of its employees and fire contractors, according to three people familiar with the matter. The office, which is responsible for beaming radio and television broadcasts into communist-run Cuba, falls under the umbrella of the U.S. Agency for Global Media. That agency is in turmoil over the recent arrival of Michael Pack, a Steve Bannon ally who pushed out the heads of Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, and Radio Liberty. And other outlets as he started as CEO of the taxpayer-funded media group. So, long story short, what happened from this is this guy, Michael Pack, what he wanted to do with Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty and all that, he wanted to put in totally new people. He wanted they called it the Wednesday night massacre because he went about just firing a bunch of these people and he wanted to put in, I they claim his own allies and such. He claims it wasn't political, and he just wanted a fresh start. What this led to was the Office of Cuba Broadcasting. It was fi- it was experiencing financial troubles from this. Um, it, there was a financial fallout. So apparently, the Office of Cuba Broadcasting was already struggling, and when this and when this division was going about in their you know larger parent organizations, this was affecting their budget even more. All right, and so now down further into this article, this is a a part of it that I thought was particularly interesting to what's going on right now, or it has the potential to. So the article says, With the agency projecting that the Cuba office is going to run out of cash in mid-July, officials there have to move money around next week to ensure that they have enough cash for their next payroll and to pay contractors according to one of the people. Let's listen to that first part of this piece again. It says... With the agency projecting that the Cuba office is going to run out of cash in mid-July, which is right now, you know, right now is mid-July. And, you know, it it is interesting to see because so they're they're running out of cash. They don't really know what they're going to do. They've been involved with trying to spawn these protests in Cuba for about a decade now. Longer than that, but through social media, they've been trying this tactic for about a decade. And... There have I've also seen other articles. There was an opinion piece from a couple of months ago. Somebody who used to be involved in the Office of Cuba broadcasting wrote an opinion piece to Biden saying, we really need this and we really need more funding because it's just so important work. And you know, what could this be? Um, as I mentioned before, they had a lot of trouble starting these protests. So if this was spawned by them, you know, maybe that would be giving too much credit if giving them too much credit if we assume that immediately um, given the history of troubles that they've had with it. But through what we've described today, I think we also see that these type of social media um, things have been tried in different ways. You know, it started with Twitter, then the text thing. And right now what we're seeing is this hashtag SOS Cuba. So it could totally be a new strategy by the office of Cuba broadcasting, maybe another organization um, or they could be linked to them in some spiderweb you know, network. So what else did we learn today? Well, it started with Zunzaneo, which was the Twitter-like project that began in 2009. That failed in around two, around 2012. They pick up with Pyramidio in about 2014. That eventually begins um, to be phased out around 2015. And then they take on new projects, which we need to look into a little more. And maybe we'll have a video on that. So now where are they at? Um, I think that is the big question. And I think that's the next place where this particular investigation that we're doing right now needs to go. Um, So I will admit that this is speculation on my part, but it could be totally that this SOS Cuba hashtag, it could be a continuation of this, or they could be extremely lucky. And this just happened to occur when they were running out of money. But I think one thing that we can say with absolute conclusiveness is that It's highly unlikely that they stopped these efforts. We know that the Office of Cuba Broadcasting has been asking for money recently. They say their work is very important. So they haven't given any indication that they would want to stop these kind of efforts. So at the very least, we know that they're at least still trying to use social media to spawn these type of protest movements. So, all right, I just want to finish this out by saying absolute solidarity with the Cuban people solidarity with those revolutionaries in cuba who are fighting against this narrative right now and of course don't forget to like subscribe and comment on this video so with that we'll talk to you later all right peace